0: All right, we're going to start in Ephesians. If you have your Bible, Ephesians 4.29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Um, That's NIV because that's just what I kind of cut my teeth on when I first got saved. But the New King James Version, at the very end of that, Instead of it may benefit those who listens, actually says that it may impart grace to the hearers, and I like that too because uh, just as we discovered about testimony means uh, means not just seeing something but actually walking through it, that it was a two two part word that it was a, a, a seeing something that happened to somebody else and then the door walking through actually experiencing that, um, and so in the same way that when we when we say things that are building others. My, is my mic cutting in and out? Yeah. Let me grab this other one. Chick, chick. All right. So this that is that it may impart grace to the hearer. So basically when when we recognize what we're saying to other people and we, we change the vocabulary, we're actually imparting grace to others. So we are actually expressing the love of the Father to others with the way that we speak, and there's power in it. You know, we talk about there, there uh, being power in our tongues. There is... There's power to tear people down and power to build people up. Now, um, there are lots of different ways that I think uh, physically that we, we get torn down throughout our lives where people will say things to us and hurt us. Or, you know, whether it's intentional or not, there are these things. There's this, uh, <laughs> there's this comedian, I can't remember his name, uh, John Mulaney. He talks about he's, he's most intimidated by, like, 12- and 13-year-old boys because they're so mean. And he's like, if I'm walking down the road, they're like, oh, look at that guy. He's got feminine hips. And he's like, oh, how'd you know that was the thing I was sensitive about? Just like random things. So there's like these, (laughs) with me, I remember in high school, there were two Justins. It was Justin Ishii and then me uh, on Dolphin Island. And uh, I remember I overheard someone else talking about the two. And they were like, oh, no, Justin. They're like, well, which one? They're like, oh, the one with the big nose. And I was like, wait a minute. Is that me? (laughs) Do I have a big nose? And I never really dawned on me that I had a big nose. And so I, I went home and I like looked at my side. I was like, hey, what do you know I have a big nose? I didn't even know it. But I was not sensitive about that until someone pointed out. Now, I don't think they were being ugly. They were just trying to identify me. Uh, but, uh, and I got over that pretty quick. It's not a big deal. I don't care. I got a big nose. But uh, but there are things like that that you don't recognize sometimes and someone brings it to light. And then all of a sudden you, you recognize, all the time you're thinking about that one thing, right? And... <laughs> not that specifically, that was just an example, but other things, if someone says something, and I've been in conversations with people, and there are lots of things that were said, but there was one specific thing that was said that just cut me deep, right, have y'all ever had that, and you're like, oh, that kind of stung, that hurt a little bit, um, and then you kind of question everything after that, like, well, you know, what, a, how does this feel, or what does this person think of me, and then you feel, it starts, it starts building up, like, it's, well, not building up, it starts tearing you down, like, tearing down your character, like, what did I do wrong, you know what else have I done? You know all these things. You start questioning all this stuff. Well, what that does is it makes you self-referential, it makes you thinking about yourself and not other people all the time. So when when those kind of things start to cut, it, it's a very it can be very emotional. It can very be very deep. But at the same time, when the Holy Spirit comes in, He doesn't just um, He doesn't just heal those things. He actually takes them away and gives you something better in return. So when we we have a very I guess, limited or earthly perspective, he gives us an eternal perspective. So he gives us something deeper. It's more of a kingdom mindset than just a, a, I guess, kind of a tit for tat thing where we argue back and forth. We talked about last week how Jesus didn't spend a lot of time arguing. Um, he took the time to hear what people had to say. They questioned him. He talked to them. Um, he told them parables. He told them stories. He tried to get them to understand the, the heart of the Father. He didn't just react to everyone, he took the time to um, process what they were saying and and respond to them in a way that was beneficial to them, right? I think it's a good example for us to see that that's exactly how Jesus did it and that's how we are to do it. So this says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Um, grace there in the New King James when it says that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace, the, the word in the Greek, means uh, preeminently... Used of the Lord's favor, freely extending to give himself away to people, because he is always leaning towards them. So it's Jesus um, leaning towards and giving to people. That grace is not just oh, a, a lot of us speak flippantly of grace. Oh, there's grace for that. There's grace for that. No, grace means that you are giving of yourself to someone else. Grace is how Jesus gave to us. Grace is us giving of ourselves to others. So it's it's not a passive grace. That's like oh, there's grace for that. No, grace means this is. This is me giving of myself for other people. This is me recognizing that Christ gave himself for me, and then I'm passing that on to other people. So grace is much deeper than just to flip it. Oh, I'm I'm overlooking that. And I think that's where a big misconception of grace comes from, is that grace just, like, shies away. Like, oh, it just winks at sin. Like, oh, sin's okay. No, grace doesn't wink at sin. Grace, like, demolished sin. Grace had power to take away the sin. Like, Jesus didn't just say, oh, I'm not going to worry about that. Jesus said, no, I'm going to make a sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. In the same way when we respond and react to people, we have to take time to think about and process whatever was said to us and think about what, always thinking about what the other person is going through and what they're dealing with before we just react. When we react, then now all we're doing is tearing them down and they're tearing us down and it's a, it's a bad process to go back and forth. When we recognize that, that, that someone, if someone comes at us and says something that is hurtful, when when we respond in a way that's not hurtful, hurtful, it changes the whole situation. There's a scripture in Romans. I, I, I know we're a little bit behind on time, so I may not get to it at the end, but I wanted to get to it eventually, so I'll skip ahead. The scripture in Romans talks about um, loving our neighbors and caring for them and even our enemies, and at the at the very end of it, it talks about all these things to help them. At the end, it says, by doing so, you'll be heaping coals on their head. Um, that verse has been misinterpreted a lot, and there's two main, two main views as far as... Uh, Everyone that studied it throughout the ages. Um, one is, it's basically when you heap coals on their head, it's going to make them feel really bad, you know. It's going to make them feel guilty and shameful about, because you've done all these good things when they were being ugly to you. This is your enemy. And the other train of thought, which I agree with a little bit more, is in that culture, they had to keep their houses warm, especially where they were, especially in the north of Jerusalem. It would snow and it was very cold, and they had to keep their houses warm. And it makes much more sense to me going along the lines with helping and loving our enemies at the very end of that to say, we will be heaping coals on their heads. It doesn't make much sense to me and go along with any of Jesus' teachings to say, we're going to do all these things to make them feel really bad, <laughs> right? It's, not, it's illogical. It's like saying that I'm going to do all these good things just so you feel horrible about all these good things that I do. Now, you may, and it could be a bit of a double entendre there where it could mean a little bit of both, but for me, it makes much more sense that as we, we bless people and love people, it changes their perspective. It changes how they view us, and when when they view us, they are viewing a representation of God. We are ambassadors. We're like, we're like, uh, demonstrating God's love to people on earth. And so when they recognize that, then they see how good our God is. And I think in in doing so, it's it's completely off the whole train of thought that we would be hurting them in the process by heaping cold hot coals onto their heads, and they would literally carry these bowls on their heads full of hot coals to their houses so that they could keep their houses warm. And so to me, in doing so, you were actually giving them sustainable life. Like, that was their life. So not only are you doing good things, giving them food, giving them different things, but you're also giving them fire to warm their home and to cook their food and to help them. So to me, it's just an extension of everything else that he was saying in that verse in Romans. All right, got a little ahead of myself there. Verse 30, we're still in Ephesians 4, 30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now let's stop there. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? He just told us. If he says do not do something and right behind it says do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, he's saying do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs that they may benefit those who listen. So grieving the Holy Spirit is going to be the exact opposite of that, right? Or it's going to be tearing people down. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So he's given us an example here of you. This is how... You should do this, but just doing it in and of yourself is not going to cut it. You're going to need something else, and he gives you the, the answer right here. Just as Christ forgave you, you forgive other people. He gives us a, a, a very clear understanding of what that looks like in God, in Jesus himself. He says, look, don't just, don't just try to imitate this, but recognize that this is something that you have. Um, we talk about all the time. You can't give away $10,000 unless you have $10,000. Until you understand your identity in Christ, you can't really share that with other people. What happens is, and what happened to me especially in my early early Christian life and my early Christian walk, was I was really pushed to go out and uh, go soul winning. Have y'all ever gone soul winning or gone like door to door, giving away tracks or like trying to get people saved? Um, what I was pushed to do was go outside the doors and, and get people to go to heaven, but I really didn't have a good understanding of who I was as a son, or I didn't have a really good understanding of who God was as Father. And so what I was doing was I was out there selling stuff. I really had no idea what I was selling. <laughs> It's like being in sales and not even knowing. Hey, you should get this stuff. What is it? I don't. It's really good. You should get it, right? And so what happened was I made a lot of people feel uncomfortable, <laughs> and I was uncomfortable in the process. And I, what breaks my heart is I genuinely didn't care for any of those people. Like truth. I mean, I, I, back then I, my heart was not towards people. My heart was towards pleasing God because I thought He wasn't pleased with me. Does that make sense? So what happened was I was operating from a deficit. <laughs> And I was giving other people my deficit, which is the exact opposite of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus fills all things in every way. And when he fills me, now I can help others be full. Do You see the, the, the difference there? Now that I recognize that I'm loved, that the finished work of Jesus applies to me in my life, I can share that with other people. I can say, okay, it's not by my own ability because because I, <laughs> I don't care enough for people on my own. I care for people, but I don't care that much for people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean I'm just being serious. Like, I care for people, but uh, just like I was saying earlier, I can be fickle. I can be wishy-washy. I can be hurt, and I can operate, you know, ignorantly at times. But when I take the time, and, and uh, me and Kyle ju- were just talking about this, when, when, when I recognize that there are places in my life, and lots of them, where I'm weak, I can seek the Lord in those and say, "Look, God, I can't do this without you." Like we say that a lot, but <laughs> there are times in your life when you get to a place and and uh and you say, "Look, seriously, <laughs> I can't. I'm 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 kind of at the end of my rope here. I've I've done everything that I know to do, and without you, I'm not going to be able to continue to move to move forward in these areas in my life." When we find ourselves in those places, we recognize that just like the Bible tells us in our weakness, he's made strong. It's not because we are weak, like you need to make yourself weak so that God is made strong. It's recognizing how strong God is that he can fill those areas of weakness in you. You see the, the difference? It's, it's, it's a heightened awareness of how good God is, and it, tra- it transitions our train of thought of how crappy I am and how good God is. It, it just switches it around. And so when you recognize how good God is and he operates in and through you, then you naturally become more bold and you can begin to do things that you thought you could never do. You carry, you carry with you, we, we talked about last week about being yoked. We're, we're yoked to Christ. He didn't take our yoke, he just gave us a better one. He takes the hard part. He finished the hard work. Now we get to go alongside and he says, now my burdens are easy and, and my yoke is light. My yoke is, my yoke is light and my burdens are easy. One of those two. Both of them are easy. I like my yokes easy. So when we move forward, when we actually do stuff, we're actually operating in sync with what God's doing. Something that revolutionized my prayer life uh, when I began to understand that God wasn't some spiritual vending machine, that I put my two, you know, my two quarters of prayer and hit the button and I get a Mountain Dew or whatever, um, when I recognized that prayer is really just aligning what's going on in my life with what God wants. Um, and it wasn't as much submissive as, as it was recognizing that what God has for me is better than what I have for me. The difference in saying, God, I need you to do these things to please me in, in my pre-understanding of what prayer was and then going on to what I understand prayer to be now is, God, align my heart with what you are doing because I know that whatever you're doing is better than what my plans were anyway. The The cool thing about that is I, that that made life more fun. <laughs> Sometimes scary, slightly terrifying, but mostly fun, um, which is, my I guess, my mantra now. Slightly terrifying, but mostly fun was when I said, you know what, God's going to lead my steps in everything that I do. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make the plans that I can to try to be as responsible as I can. But every step that I take, I'm going to rely fully on God to do, to do everything that he's promised that he's going to do. In the places where I was hurting physically, in the places where I was hurting spiritually and, and mentally, God was the only one that could fix those things. He was the only one that could step in and actually make me whole in the areas where I lacked. Ephesians 5.1 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're going to skip down for time's sake anyway. We'll skip down to verse 8. So Ephesians 5.8, it says, for you were once darkness, but now you are in, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Going back to what I was talking about, about prayer. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity. Let's stop there. We talk about this a lot, and I hope that it encourages all of you guys to, when you go outside the doors, to make the most of every opportunity. Um, There are fewer, if not, I say almost no, coincidences now that I understand the heart of the Father. Every person you come in contact with is an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, whether it's something simple or something profound. But it's in the context of actually caring for people, not just trying to check it off a list so that you please God. Making the most of every opportunity, because, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, thanksgiving, regardless of your circumstances, points people to God. When you are thankful, even when things aren't going well, people will begin to see something in you that's not very natural in our earthly kingdom. They'll begin to see things that are supernatural because you are living outside of this earthly kingdom and you were drawing from something else. When you, <clears throat> one of the one of the things that really caught my attention when, when I was lost, and I've told this story a hundred times, but I'll never forget it, was recognizing my friend going through one of the worst tragedies in his life when he lost a loved one and telling me that God was good in the middle of it. That blew my mind. I couldn't sleep at night. It bothered me. Like I thought, how could anyone say that God is good when something so tragic has happened? But what that did was the, the, the icon or the character of God that was given to me when I, when I was created, when I was born, when he knew me in my mother's womb, that sparked something in me. And what it sparked in me was there's something more to this life than what I'm living. When he said, God is good, in the middle of the worst, the worst tragedy in his life, something in me shook. It changed. It shifted. And I began to seek and look and figure out what that meant and how he could, be, how he could find joy in the midst of tragedy. Listen, when you, when you recognize the goodness of God, even in the midst of things that are going wrong or that are going bad, you're recognizing that you're operating outside of just the kingdom of earth. You are seeing an eternal perspective, not just a temporal one. It's kingdom revelation that draws people from a temporary earthly perspective to an eternal heavenly perspective. Too many times we try to uh, limit God's abilities and time frame to our perspective instead of aligning ours to his. The cool thing about his is, his is always better than ours. He's not he's not some cosmic killjoy that's trying to make you suffer for the for for him for his sake. Now do we suffer? Yeah, we suffer, but it's not because of that. It's in the in the instances where we actually do suffer when Christ can be lifted up even in the middle of it. I just had a conversation with somebody about this the other day about the hurricane and and some of the things that are going on. And it's tough. This is this is kind of tough talk. But they were saying you know, that God had guided a few things like trees to fall in certain areas and different things like that. And you have to be very careful with that talk because what do you say to the person that the tree fell on their house? You know, were they doing something wrong? You know, did they not have enough faith? You know, these are things that we we don't want to talk about, right? We want to say, well, well, God blessed me and, you know, tragedy didn't fall on me. But what do we say to the ones that tragedy did fall on? How do we reconcile that? I think those are the times when I would say even more so when we can see God's goodness because you can see people begin to operate outside of themselves and reach out to help those people that have actually experienced tragedy. Does that make sense? So the cool thing about it is just like Paul said, to live as Christ and die as gain, the whole, I'm not gonna say it. Yes, I am, zero-sum game. It doesn't mean that, but what it, what it means is we, we always think there has to be a winner and loser in everything, and that's not always the case. There's a book, I can't think of the name of the book, but there's a book that talks about this in detail and there's several other movies I could ruin for you by giving you the ending that talk, that that the writers come to the same conclusion that our minds have a hard time processing two different things going on and them not being opposing. We all think things have to be mutually exclusive for some reason, and they're not. What happens is when we, when we recognize that tragedy, the Lord can be glorified in it. In blessings, the Lord can be glorified in it. It doesn't mean we're like in Greek fatalism, and we don't care, and whatever will be will be, it means that we recognize that the character of God lives in people, not just in places and things, right? So it's not just on what's going on around us, whether it's it's extreme blessings or extreme tragedy, it's recognizing that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and we can operate from that place and reach other people, regardless of what's going on around us. So we're not shifted by our culture, we're not shifted by, um, you know, what everyone else seems to think, we're shifted by kingdom. And from that place, we shift the culture around us. Uh, I like I like the message version of Ephesians 3 and 4. It says, don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a, a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity. I like the second part better, but that's a good point. Filthy practices are bullying greed. This part, though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have, be- have better uses for language, th- for language than that. Apparently, I don't have a very good use for language. It says, though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. We talked about in youth, <laughs> Wednesday night, spilling the tea. Apparently, that's what kids are calling gossip now. Um, so they were talking about spilling tea, and I was like, I just asked them general questions about, well, what is, is gossip bad? Is gossip good? And they're like, well, there's good gossip and bad gossip. And I was like, well, not by definition, but we'll go with that. <coughs> and so we talked about what it means to talk about other people. And I think in this instance, it's pretty clear that when we talk about gossip, we're we're speaking of something negatively. Um, And I think that's probably the most part where they're talking about spilling tea, I assume. I'm old, so I don't know all these terms, so I'm just learning some of this stuff. So we talked about how when we say some of these things, it doesn't just affect the other people, it affects us too, because it gets us in a mindset that it's okay to talk negatively about other people. Um, And it's not, because that helps form opinions of those people to other people, and it's very hurtful, especially if those find out about it. Now, we had a really good discussion about it, but I want to tell you, it's, it's pretty clear what the Scripture says about it. If, it, if it's hurtful to other people, don't say it. That's, I mean, it's as cut and dry as that. You know, I'd like to be deep and spiritual about it, but just shut up. If it's bad, <laughs> you know, if it's going to hurt someone, be quiet. Don't, don't say it. If it's going to help them, um, like we've said before, love looks different to everyone else. You know, Jesus took his took his time to explain to the Pharisees of what he was talking about. But he also went out and shouted at them and said, "You brood of vipers, you you close the kingdom of heaven up. You not only do, are you keeping people from getting into the kingdom? You are heaping loads on top of them that you you yourself won't even carry. You were you were making it worse for them." And he took the time to fashion a whip and flip tables. So when you have the little WWJD thing on, remember that flipping tables and whipping people is in the realm of possibilities. So there are different ways that we react to different people. So in the in the process that we do that, you know, I can speak to someone in, in one way jokingly and they can get it and it's okay, and I can speak to someone else jokingly and they're hurt by it. What's the difference? My sensitivity to, to what's going on in their lives and our relationship, right? That's why we don't make blanket statements about how you guys should live, and I won't because that's not a corporate thing. It's recognizing that... Uh, the other people that are in our lives are more important than just our own agenda and us thinking about what we want to do. The cool thing about that is it gives us freedom to not stress all the time about what someone else thinks about what we said about somebody because we're not doing that. I mean, it's very simple. <clears throat> part, part of the cool, cool, the cool part about being a pastor is I get to see... Lots of victories, lots of joy, lots of healings, and lots of great things. One of, the, one of the, I'll just say heavy sides is a lot of people tell me a lot of things about their lives, like detailed things, some things I don't even want to know about sometimes. But lots of people tell me things and, and, and to talk about, and I can't share that with everybody because that would not be helpful to them, and it, it could hurt other people in the process. The good thing about that is it forces me to go to the Lord with it. <laughs> and pray about it. I want to encourage you, it's not just because I'm a pastor. You guys need to do that too. If someone comes to you and they're struggling with something, they're hurting with something, um, don't immediately go call or tell someone else and just talk about it. Now, there are instances where there are people you trust and you want to pray about it. That's one thing, but I've seen too many times in churches where these little prayer groups turn into gossip groups and it's not healthy. It's very divisive and it's hurtful. And I want to encourage you you when you When someone confides in you and shares with you, it's another thing we talked about in youth. They were talking about secrets and sharing secrets and different things like that. Listen, when someone speaks to you from their heart and they're looking for help and they they want you to help them, it's good to pray for them, but don't be very careful with who you share that information with because it can ultimately come back and hurt them even worse, and that's that's not good. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible's teaching us here in building people up and tearing them down. How you treat people is a direct reflection of how you view your heavenly Father. I think that when we, when we're very judgmental towards people, and we seek to um, belittle people or hurt people, that's how we think God is towards us. We recognize that God gives grace to us, and He cares for us, and He died for us, even when we were still sinners and he gives us an unconditional love, we should take that, and that should be our representation towards people, and that's how we should act and react. Last, because we're running a little bit out of time, last thing I want to talk about just briefly. um, Prolonged social isolation is not good. I know that for a season sometimes people feel the need to do that, But I felt this from the beginning, especially this whole COVID thing. The dangers of prolonged social isolation is not good. Um, Sometimes we need to take a step back for a small season, even just in prayer or to spend time with the Lord. But not for a long time because we were designed. We were created from community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, those guys were together. He created us from community to be in community with one another. Um, I'm not saying that so you just go, you know, throw caution in the wind. You guys use your own judgment on how you treat you know, viruses and that whole thing. We all have our different opinions on that, and I'm okay with it. I don't love you any more or less because of it. I will say this. Prolonged social isolation is dangerous, and I don't think it's God's heart. And I say that boldly because that's how we punish prisoners and people at war. We isolate them. We keep them away from everybody. You, we need each other. We're better together. We function better together. We see God's heart better together. When we come in a place and we, corporate, we worship corporately, we're together together. I know we got a lot of people missing, but even together, half our church is is, is volunteering to, to love Buddy and Angela and and pour into them and into their wedding and they're working right now so that they can have it. And that's part of what it is to be a community. So when we recognize that, I just I just want to caution that, just be careful with that, because I've seen too many times when there's too much isolation, thoughts get in people's heads, they're not communicating with one another, and and people are hurt, people f- People view things the wrong way, and people uh, relationships will be hurt in the process. I just think it's dangerous. So I'll leave you with that. Um, I'm gonna say these few things just about love. Just a few verses to throw at you before we wrap up. John fifteen twelve says, "This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you." Romans twelve ten says, "Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor." Romans fifteen one says, "We are we who are strong." Have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Matthew six fourteen says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Listen, that's a direct connection of the Father's love to other people. It doesn't get any clearer than that. What he's showing you is this love thing only works one way, and it's when you share it with other people. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. I love this verse because I believe it's, it's the truth of what agape love is. Um, Andrew Farley quoted this the other day on Instagram. It says, Agape is an impossible love. We don't work at it. We let the indwelling Christ himself be our love. The good news is you you don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to be the perfect love. You don't have to love people unconditionally on your own. Christ gives it to you so that you can give it to other people. It's, it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that leads you to love people outside of yourself. You and I aren't strong enough. I can't love Tracy the way she deserves to have a husband love her without Christ. I can't. I can't love my friends and my neighbors and you guys the way that I should without Christ. I can't. I don't have that ability. The type of love that God gives us is not the same type of love that we love pizza and we love, you know, (laughs) other things. It's it's a different type of love, and it's a love that only comes from God. When we receive it, then we can give it. All right, y'all stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. It's been a wild few weeks. I hope you guys have an awesome day today. Father, I just thank you. um, thank that you're always speaking to us, that you're always moving. You're never changing, but you're always moving. Lord, I thank you that we can be a part of what you're doing on the earth. I thank you that we don't have to be the center of it all, Lord, that you are, and that everything we do, we glorify you in. And in doing so, our lives become richer and better and, so, and have so much more meaning than when we were, when we were so consumed with ourselves Lord, help us to see the needs of those that are around us. Help us to see your character in them and help us to draw it out. Not to tear them down, but to build them up in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys have a great day.